God. Glory to God. Amen. 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 Whoo. Wow. 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 Good stuff. Good stuff. Holy Spirit Encounter Night this, this Wednesday. Holy Spirit Encounter Night is a night where we just get out and we practice. We jump out of the boat. And if we don't walk on the water, then we'll swim back to the boat. And if we all get wet, then it was a good night. Doesn't matter if we know how to do it. That's not the point. The point is to come. We want to listen. We want to welcome. We want to listen. And we want to move with the Holy Spirit. That's the vision for Wednesday nights. We want to welcome. I mean, the Holy Spirit's here today. He's certainly coming on Wednesday. We want to listen. We want to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. And then we want to move with. We want to do what he's asking us to do. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12 lists different gifts that are available, as well as Ephesians 4, different gifts that are available to the body of believers. That's all of us. That's you. And my job as the pastor is to activate all of you, to get you going, to get you moving, to get you flowing in your gift. Wednesday night's the night that we're going to do that without reservation. You come to me and say, hey, I have a prophetic word. As long as it's not something outrageous, you're going, baby. Come on. This is what it's all about. You got anything, let's do it. Let's roll with it. Let's see what God will do. If you fall out of the boat and you get wet, no problem. We'll pick you back up. We'll get you back in the boat. We'll dry you off. We'll go at it again. This is what we're here to do. If we can't learn in the house of God, where are we going to learn? Come on. Come on. Come on. Ah, that's good. That's good. Good, good, good. All right. Oh, my goodness. Was worship incredible or what? I'm still shaking. Oh, Jesus. I do have a message, I promise. When the storm is the fiercest, it's when we need to worship and praise the loudest. Come on, sometimes you're going to walk through a season in your life when the storm is going to rage and the storm is going to come against you. And it's in those moments of time where we need to worship God with our best worship. Worship him with your best song. Sing with your loudest voice. Dance with your most audacious dance. Come on, praise defeats the enemy. (laughs) God is enthroned on the praises of his people. (sighs) There were some first-time guests in the room I see today that were worshiping more than some of you have been here for 30 years. So come on. All I have to say is that if you're not going to praise God, so he's going to bring in somebody else that will. (laughs) it's just an encouragement that we all get up move your feet shake your hands sing with your voice do something just let just let me know you're alive out there (sighs) i'm a lover of worship i'm a a lover of, of worship some of you come just because you enjoy the spectacle of worship i i know it i know it i know it's true i see you god's about to make you guys the spectacle So in the next season that's coming, those of you who have been enjoying the spectacle are about to be the spectacle. Yeah, let's go. Lord Jesus. Okay, here we go. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this message. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. And God, we just pray that you would come, that you would breathe life on this message and into us today, God, as we listen. 
God, we give you glory and honor and praise for you alone are worthy, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Starting this new series today, it's called What is Man? What is man? And this is a question that David asked in Psalm 8. We're going to read that psalm today. But we're here to ask this question, what is man? Who are we? What is humankind? What are we, man and woman? But what are we? What are we here to do? What are we here? What is our function? Why are we here? What is the purpose? What is man? In all of creation, the, the, the stars in the heavens, the, the creatures on the earth, and all that's here, and everything that exists, what is man? What is man? And today's message, by the way, this is uh, The Vitruvian Man by Leonardo, DiCap uh, Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> 1490. Uh, the, the Vitruvian idea dates back as far as 200 AD, right? And so the Vitruvian Man is supposedly the perfect dimension of a man, right? Some of us have longer legs, shorter legs, longer torso, shorter. Supposedly the perfect dimensions of a man. And others, other things and stuff. But it's, it's the divine, it's the weaving together of the human and the divine. So I thought that that was very interesting. It's been said of this, this photo that you see in the background. You're going to see it for the next couple of weeks. So I forgot to talk to you about it. It's, it's said of the photo that it's the weaving together of the human and the divine. That's very interesting. Today's message is entitled, Who Are You? So I want to ask you this question. Who are you? 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 Who do you believe that you are? Because whoever you believe that you are is who you actually are. Who do you believe yourself to be? Somebody once said, if you believe that you can't, you're right. If you believe that you can't do something, you're right. I think it was Henry Ford. If you believe that you can't do something, you're right. If you believe that you are not something, then you're not. If you believe that you can't be successful, then you won't be successful. Who do you think that you are? Who do you believe that you are? If you believe that everyone gets more than you, they're just going to continue to do that. It's just going to continue to happen that way for you. What do you believe about yourself. So when we're asking the question, what is man? And when I'm asking the question, who are you? I'm not asking like for physical dimensions, you know, well, I weigh 120, 170, whatever. I'm not asking for that. I'm asking for who do you believe that you are? Because whoever you believe that you are, that's who you're going to be. And we need to correct some thinking. Some of us need to correct some thinking. You know, there's an idea that floats around in Christianity that, you know, you're not supposed to be too successful. You're not supposed to have too much. You know, you can't have too much money. Now, there are some Christians, celebrity Christians that have gone out. They've made millions of dollars. They have fleets of planes and stuff. And I think there's a bit of excess. But God wants me to be successful. My Bible tells me that I'm going to be a blessing to others. That's what it says. Anybody else? Right? Your Bible says the same? Okay, we're all reading the same one, right? Okay. My Bible says that I'm going to be a blessing to others. Well, if I can't take care of myself, how am I going to bless anybody else? And it doesn't just say that I'm going to be a blessing to one other person. It actually says that I'm going to be a blessing to nations. 
If I'm going to bless nations, then I'm going to have to have a whole lot more than I have right now. In spirit, in finances, in, in, in favor, in every area of my life, I'm going to have to have a whole lot more. Somebody say, a whole lot more. Right, than I do right now because I'm supposed to be a blessing to others. How can I bless them if I don't have anything to bless them with? James says, don't say to somebody, be blessed and be on your way when they need food and they need clothing. Give them food and give them clothes. Like, I, if I have, my, I got, it takes, takes resources. My God's a God of abundance. He's a God of more than enough. When he broke the few fishes and loaves, right, he fed 5,000 with just a little bit. He's a God of abundance. There's more than enough. As a matter of fact, so much so that there was 12 baskets of fragments. They picked up and brought in more leftovers than what they had originally given out. He's a God of an abundance, and he's not a God who's wasteful. They gathered together the leftovers, and they probably sent them home with somebody. Because the disciples said later in the boat, ah, oh, we forgot to bring some bread with us. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. There's a poverty mentality that exists, and we want to tear that down. Because we're not supposed to be poor. Jesus didn't live a life of poverty. His poverty was the fact that he was here in humanity. He left the divine and he came to live as a human. That was the poverty that he lived in. He lived in abundance. The, 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 the one woman um, was a, a servant in the household of Chusa, who was a, a Roman official. Um, Joanna is her name. And so she had abundance, and she would give to his ministry repeatedly. So he always had more than enough. When the soldiers gambled for Jesus' clothing at the cross, because there was the one garment, it was a garment that had no seam in it, and when it was of great worth. And so they didn't want to rip it in half because it was so valuable. This is the clothing that Jesus wore. And we're like, oh, well, you know, we shouldn't have too much. Jesus' clothes were so special that they refused to rip them in half. They actually gambled for them so that one person could take it home whole because it was worth so much money. We have to tear down some of our mindsets. This is just one mindset I'm talking about. There are hundreds of them all across the room today. There's only 100 people here, but there's hundreds because a lot of us have more than one mindset that need to be torn down. And these mindsets, when we hold on to them for so long, they're called strongholds. And so when we read about the strongholds that need to be torn down, there's strongholds in our mind that need to go. We need to renew our thinking. Let's read scripture. Somehow I missed a note. I gotta go back. Identity. Today we're talking about who are you. It's about identity. Identity is about understanding who we are. And we just covered a lot of that. It's the second most important question you'll ever answer in your life. Who are you is the second most important question you will ever answer in your life. The first is who is Jesus? Who do you say that Jesus is? That's the most important question you'll ever answer. The second one is who are you? Who do you believe that you are? Because everything that you do is going to be in a response to those two answers. Who do you believe that Jesus is and who do you believe that you are? Okay, now we can go to the first scripture. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist and some say Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Messiah, the son 
of God Most High. You are the chosen one who is to come. I'm saying the same thing different ways. Christ, Messiah, chosen one who is to come. Same word. You are the Christ. There was a revelation in Peter's heart that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah that Israel had been waiting for. It had been prophesied. Now it's been 400 years since the prophet had spoken, and they know that 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 Jesus is the Messiah. They answered the question right. Who, who do you say that Jesus is? He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He is the one who was and is and is to come and will be alive forevermore. Amen? Jesus answered Peter and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Come on. Who are you? My Bible says that God gives me the keys. I left my keys on the desk. I have a whole key ring full of keys. What do the keys do? They allow me in certain places. I have a key to that door. I have a key to that door. I have a key to that door, that door, that door. In order, you want to get through the door, if it's locked, you got to have a key. And God gives us the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And where do they let us into? They're in your word. They're in your Bible. The Bible says that he will give you the key of David. What's that? <laughs> What's that? These are... The keys of the kingdom are not, they're not, I'm not, I'm not going to, you're not going to come to church one day and I'm not going to say, hey, you know, thank, thanks for coming. You know, you've been faithful and you get the key to the kingdom today. And I, I put it in your hand. That's not the way it works. It's available to you right now. All you have to do is apprehend it. The key of David talks about this in scripture. You can Google it. You can YouTube search it. Key of David comes up several times. Key of David you kind of got to do a little bit of work, though, to find out what it really is. The key of David is intimacy. The key of David is intimacy, intimacy with the Lord. We're invited. We all have the opportunity to have the key. This is the presence message. We all have the opportunity. David had that key. And he made use of the key. This whole story that I go over often where David was in the, 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 the <laughs> give me a second. The Ark of the Covenant was behind the veil and David said, no, we're taking it out and we're going to put it in the middle and we're going to put worshipers around it and prayer people around it. And I've asked the question, how did David have the authority to do this? I got the answer. I'll give it to you next week. <laughs> Moving on. We don't have time today. I definitely don't have time. Maybe I'll give it to you next week. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. If, if the Holy Spirit comes and, you know, we're all just on the floor, I obviously can't talk. It's good. When I consider the Psalm 8, when I consider the works of your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little bit lower than the angels. The, the Hebrew word there, angels, is actually Elohim. 
capital E, Elohim. And it's actually the same exact Hebrew word that's used for creator God. So I don't know why they put angels up here. So let's read that again. For you have made him a little bit lower than creator God. What? Say what? And you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. And you have put all things under his feet. So who are you? Who are you? We're asking this question, what is man? Really, it's who, who are you? What's your identity? What do you believe about yourself? When we read scripture, we can know certain things about ourselves. We, right here, let, let's take this for example. What is man that you are mindful of him? We know that God is mindful of us. Say it with me. Say, God is mindful of me. God is mindful of me. And the son of man that you visit him. God wants to visit you. God wants to visit you. God wants to visit me. There you go. God has crowned me with glory. God has crowned me with honor. Glory and honor are God's ideas. Giving people glory, giving people honor is God's idea. And then people get hung up on the fact that, you know, somebody gave me a title pastor because I'm in charge here. And then they're like, oh, I can't call him pastor or else he'll go to his head. Listen, if, <laughs> if you calling me pastor is going to go to my head, then I would have never gotten this position in the first place because we're beyond that. It's more of a, it's, it's a recognition. We, you got to understand, we honor people for who God has made them to be and not for what they're not. I'm going to say that again because you didn't get it. We honor people for who they are and not for who they're not. We could pull anybody, you could pull me, anybody else, and we could just pick that person apart to the end like they're not this, they're not that. You know, he doesn't call me, he doesn't look at me, he doesn't blah, 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 blah. That's an, it, we honor people for who they are and not for who they're not. It's God's idea to give glory and honor. It's God's idea. I didn't create the system. We read it, and this is where we're at. This is what he said. Why did God give the one guy five and the other guy two talents and the other guy one talent? And then the guy with the one, it gets taken away from him and it gives giving to the one with the 10, and now he's got 11. How does that work? It's God's system. He gets to do what he wants. He's given us uh, glory and honor. God has given us dominion over everything. God's given me dominion. Say it. He's given you dominion. God has put all things under your feet. God has put all things under my feet. These are just four verses about a few of the things that it says, the word says about you. How much of what the word says about you do you believe? We could just start with these few statements. Do you believe that God has given you glory? Do you believe that God has given you honor? Do you believe that God wants to visit you? Do you believe that God is mindful of you? Do you believe that God has given you dominion? Do you believe that God has put all things under your feet? My Bible says that he has. Do you believe it? Are you acting like it? 
See, we don't believe that something is true when we just simply give it mental assent. We believe that something is true when we start acting like it is. When we start acting that way. So start acting like you have glory. Start acting like you have honor. Start acting like you have dominion. Start acting like everything's been put under your feet. Change the way you act. What else do we know from Scripture? I'm loved by God. Say, I'm loved by God. I'm a blessing to others. People see the love of God in me. I lead others to Christ regularly. God, that one got weak on you guys. Uh, There's an evangelism series coming. There's an evangelism series coming. (laughs) Someone will say, shouldn't we wait until we start to do these things before we start to proclaim them over ourselves? Absolutely not. That's not faith. That's not faith. Do we wait until an apple tree has apples before we call it an apple tree? (laughs) I planted four apple trees last year and a pear tree. Do you know there was not one single apple on that tree? Any one of them? Not one pear? None of the trees. Five trees, four apples, one pear. Pears are self-fertile, so they don't need to cross-pollinate. No apples. Planted them, no apples. Fall, no apples. Winter, no apples. Still now, no apples. No apples. Are they not apple trees because they don't have apples? Absolutely not. They're apple trees. I know by the bud. I know by the leaf. I know by the bark. They're apples. You know, it's funny I did very specific things with these trees because I know that I know that I know, although there's no apples on them, I know that they're apple trees. The label said so. (laughs) Uh, And they can be mislabeled. This happened more than times. But I know how to identify trees. It's one of my my talents. I have uh, woody plant ideas. I can do it. These are apple trees. And do you know that because they're apple trees, there's very specific things that I did with my apple trees? I planted them where they're going to get full sun because apple trees are going to need full sun. I, I fertilized them with organic fertilizer because I want them to be organic apples. I sprayed them with deer and rabbit and mice repellent because deer and rabbit and mice love to eat apple trees. And I don't want them to eat my apple trees because they'll kill them. Had this happen before? Why did I spray it? Why didn't I spray my oak trees? Why didn't I spray my my cherry tree, my weeping cherry tree? Why didn't I spray any other bushes? Because the mice and the rabbits and the deer, they only actually, they really want to go after the apple trees. So why am I spraying them? There's no apples on them because they're an apple tree. We do certain things because we know what it is. Who are you? Start to talk, start to speak about who you are. Start to proclaim it. From the very first day that I got saved, I believed that I was going to be a pastor. I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew. I'll tell this story. I've told it before, but I know, I've learned something from Pastor Tom, that until you can tell my stories better than me, you don't know them well enough. That's what I... <laughs> when I was in uh, seventh grade, Catholic church growing up, priest says... You know, uh, if you're a young man, you're here today, you think you want to be a priest, I want you to come up and see me after service. And I thought to myself, this is it. I just found my life's call. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a priest. I'm going to, this, oh, the, the heavens opened. God spoke to me in that moment. And I was, it's a done deal. Done. I'm, I'm going to be able to stand up there like this and pray over the food because that's what he does. And 
I know a lot of the words. I don't know them all, but just I don't know what it was that just went off in me like, this is it. A minute and a half later, I remembered. Yes, I, I had a glorious minute and a half of understanding my future. <laughs> minute and a half later, I remembered, priests don't get married and don't have kids. It's off, God. I'm out. Sorry, I know you want me to stand up there and do the thing and wear the robes, and I'm all in on that, but no wife, no kids, I'm done. I'm out. Sorry, see you later. It's been nice knowing you. I couldn't do it. A minute and a half, I was sure of what I was, my life call, and then evaporated, gone in a moment. Fast forward eight years, I show up at this church. My wife had invited me here for the second time. So Saturday night, alive, they used to have a Saturday night service then, and... uh, the second time I'm in the building, music, you know, the second time. So I came the first time, I was like, okay, this is all right. So I came back, and the music's going, and then, you know, at the end of music, pastor introduces the, the guest speaker. I don't remember his name. I don't remember where he was from. There were two important points that I remember about this guy. He had a wife, and he had four kids. <laughs> Do you see where I'm going with this? <laughs> He's... Up there reading from the Bible. He didn't have PowerPoint like we do now. He's reading from the Bible, quoting scripture, telling stories the same way I am. And in the middle of his message, Holy Spirit spoke to me. I was sitting in that seat right there, Zach. Not this Zach, that Zach. I was sitting <laughs> I was sitting right there. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you can do that. And I knew what, it went, what, I knew what the Holy Spirit was saying. The Holy Spirit was saying, I'm going to do that. And so I grabbed a hold of that. I laid a hold of that. And I said, I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to be a preacher. I'm going to be a preacher, and I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to be a pastor, and I'm going to be a preacher. I'm going to be a preacher, and I'm going to be a pastor. And so because I understood that I was going to be a pastor, I began to do very specific things, very specific ways, right? I'm going to be a pastor. So I began to read the word and memorize the word as much as possible. And you know what I found? That even if I'm not going to be a pastor, if I'm not going to be a preacher, if you want to be a successful Christian, You need to read the word and memorize the word as much as possible because we're all called, we're all called to serve. Actually, you know what? I'll throw another word out there. We're all called to be apostles. Wait, what? What's an apostle? A sent one. I'm sending you to your workplace that in that electrical field, you're gonna lead others to Christ. You're gonna set the culture there. I'm calling you that in the medical field that you work in, I'm sending you there, that you set culture there and you preach the gospel there. I'm sending you into that workplace where you read through those documents and I'm telling you that you're going to set culture there and you're gonna bring the kingdom of God there. You're gonna go to your workplace and you're gonna set the kingdom of God there and you're gonna bring the kingdom of culture there. Every single one of you, no matter where you work, no matter what you do, you are an apostle. You are sent. I'm sending you right now. Go. And everywhere you go, set the culture. Set the kingdom. You want to you experience the kingdom, a little bit of kingdom on earth? Go to Mocha Blend. Mocha Blend Cafe. You can't walk in that place and the Holy Spirit just drops on you. Come on. So because I'm an apple tree... I'm going to take notes at every single message that pastor speaks. I'm telling you, I've got notebooks for years. I've got notebooks. Now I take notes in here, but I have the spiral ring notebooks. They're all sitting on my shelf. I don't actually go back through and read them. I could. But here's how I did it in high school. 
teacher would teach something, and they'd write something on the board. Whatever they wrote on the board, I'd write on my notebook. I would never go home and study those notes, and I would come in, and I'd get a 90, 95, 96 on the test. I didn't have to go back and read the notes. That's just the way God made me. Some of you have to do that, I know, because I have four kids, and they all learn differently. Because I'm an apple tree, you get what I'm saying, right? Because I'm a pastor, but because you're a Christian and you want to bring culture, you want to be apostolic in your life, because I'm an apple tree, I'm going to live as much in line with the word as possible. And everyone who wants to have influence with Christ in their sphere of reality needs to do that. Live as much in line with the word as possible. Because I'm an apple tree, I want to learn how to pray and pray effectively. And every person who's a Christian that wants to bring the kingdom culture needs to learn how to pray effectively. Because I'm an apple tree, I took worship very seriously. I take worship very seriously. Does anybody think that I don't take worship very seriously? I take worship very seriously. I'm very passionate about my worship. And every person who wants to bring the kingdom culture reality to their workplace, to their life, to their settings, needs to take worship seriously. Because I'm an apple tree, I show up at church every time the doors are open. Because I'm an apple tree, I serve in any capacity that I can. Why? Because that's what you do in the kingdom. You serve. You just serve. Jesus said, you serve. Just wash feet. I don't care. Scripture gives us permission to believe what it says about us. What does Scripture say about you? If you don't know what it says, just pick it up and start reading. I'll recommend the book of Ephesians. Start in chapter 1. Read through chapter 6. It's only six chapters long. People spend, on average, says... On average, the average American spends about two hours a day on social media. Wow. Wow. Uh, there's no shock because some of you do that. I've set a time. I have social media. I've set a timer on mine so that I can't spend more than I can. I could if I wanted to override it. 30, 30 minutes, the alarm goes off. So two hours a day on social media. You're wasting your life. If you spent two hours a day reading your Bible out loud, which is slower than if you're reading it to yourself in your mind, if you spent two hours a day reading the Bible out loud, you'd get through the whole thing in a month. Yeah. Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? We haven't even answered the question. We haven't even touched on it. Who are you? 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 Who has God created you to be? Who has God created you to be? Who you have been created to be is way more important than what you have been created to do. Who you have been created to be is far more important than what you have been created to do. Trust me. Trish was not made to be making coffee. That's not why God made her. I was not made to be a pastor. I was made to do the job of a pastor, and I, I think I do it okay. Maybe I, I do it pretty well. I've been, I've been made to be doing something else. If, if I focus on what he's called me to do, be a pastor, I will miss the most effective means of doing my job. The job that I have to do as a pastor it's impossible. <laughs> We're supposed to take hundreds, possibly thousands of people and get them to all live in harmony. 
<laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Your mission, should you decide to accept it. My job as the lead pastor here at Redeeming Love, see the city of Troy saved, 50,000 people. I have no idea how we're going to do that. It's a God-sized dream. It's impossible. But I know a God who works in the realms of impossibility. Praise God. And so if I focus on the fact that I'm a pastor and I go and I learn all of the pastor stuff that I need to do pastoring and I focus on that alone, then I'll miss the most effective means by which I can do my job. But if I focus on who he has made to me to be a lover of him, then I will receive his power to do all things well and better than any instruction that I could ever receive. See, because I love God, because I'm a lover of God, he gives me his power on the regular, actually whenever I want it. We talked about hosting the presence. Do you know that you can host host the presence 24-7? He's just always there. And then if I'm doing something and it flies away, all I have to do is be like, Holy Spirit, comes right back. When I make room, he comes and he moves. This has been a process for me for 30 years. So I'm not saying like, hey, you can go home and do this today and you're going to have great success. You're going to go home and you're going to do it today and you're going to be like, eh. We walk it out. But so much so that I could be driving in the car and lose my salvation on the way to church or meeting with somebody. I, I don't get stressed out driving. I don't. And, but I could, and then I get to church, and I'm like, Holy Spirit, I was really bad back there. I shouldn't have said those things to those other drivers. I know they couldn't hear me, but it was, still wasn't nice. But would you come and would you rest on me so that, wait, let me take this away because he wasn't there because I was being really mean. But would you come and would you rest on me because I'm about to meet with so-and-so, and they really need you, and I need to know what you need to say. I need to know what you have to say to them because only what you have to say to them will heal them. Holy Spirit, come. Years ago, I think it was 2007, we were at IHOP, International House of Prayer, Kansas City. If you don't know these places, don't get upset. It doesn't matter. You can look them up later. I only say that because that's actually where I was. And they were talking about this idea, and they said, when you come here to IHOP and you enter into the program and you learn, you go through the, the whether it's the, the college or the, 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 the internship or whatever it is, what we're going to teach you is how to get into the presence of God. We're going to teach you how to pray. We're going to teach you to read the word. We're going to teach you to hear the Holy Spirit. Because if we spend four years of your life teaching you every single thing that you need to do for a person when they walk through that door with a problem, the moment we send you out of here and you get a job working at so-and-so church, and somebody walks through the door, they're going to have a problem that you've never heard of before. Because this is the world that we live in. There are new problems being created every day that you've never heard of before. And so that's not in my program. That's not in the book. They didn't teach me what to do in that situation. So how do I know what to tell them? I have no idea. I, I don't know how to answer that. But here's how you answer that, is that that's never my, been my goal. I'm not looking to have the perfect answer for any person who ever walked through that door. You know, if you read through this Bible and you read through the discussions that Jesus had with people and the questions that they asked him and the answers that he gave, sometimes we're like, Jesus, that's not what they asked you. 
on, on more than one occasion. They asked him, they, you can go through and count, they asked Jesus, I think it's 357 questions. He answered four of them directly. <laughs> Let's follow the greatest example ever, Jesus. So when you come and you ask me a question, just be ready. I'm telling you right now before you ask. Just be ready that you're not going to get the answer to your question. I mean, you're going to get it, but it's not going to be what you think it is. Why? I don't know. That's just the way it is. It's been my regular practice. Pastor Tom taught me how to do this. <laughs> it makes counseling a whole lot easier when you're coming in asking questions, not expecting the right answers. <laughs> I'm setting the stage. <laughs> Pastor Tom taught me how to do this. He's like, you pray and you ask the Holy Spirit. Somebody's, you're talking with somebody and, and they need to know something. And so I'm giving this advice to all of you. You're talking to somebody and they need to know something. They're asking you the difficult questions about God. My Bible tells me that the Holy Spirit will tell me what to say in that hour. I have, I have this thing, guys, that I actually believe what the word says. <laughs> I have this hang up. I have this problem. It, I believe what the word says. <laughs> if we could, if, if this is the only thing we have to do is just believe the word. Just believe the word. It's the only thing we have to do. If we just, <laughs> I'm having a lot more fun than you are. If we just believe the word, if we can just get it in our stinking thinking head and then do what it says, we'll be fine. The Holy Spirit tells me that when I am asked a question, it says before magistrates, but you guys are all kings and priests. So when I'm asked a question, <laughs> I'll say from anybody, I just pray the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit gives me answers. I was working. It's dead. No, oh, it's back. The, the light's red. I'll take that one. Glory to God. Did I turn that one off? I don't want to be double. Yeah, okay. I was working with a young man who um, had a lot of questions, and my son was also there. And we were putting in a patio. And so the way it works is that, you know, we're all gathered around, and I'm, we're moving the bricks, and we're putting them in place. And so we're all in, in close proximity. And so he's asking me questions, and he's asking me questions, and he's asking me questions. And you guys know my pattern. Holy Spirit, what do you got to say? Holy Spirit, what do you need to say? Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do I say now? Holy Spirit, what do I say now? Well, Holy Spirit, how do I answer that question? Holy Spirit, what is this? I have never, oh my Lord, this is the questions that they talked about at IHOP. I've never, never prepared for that. Glory, thank you, honey. And so afterwards, my son asked and he said, Man, I was just listening because, you know, I'm taking notes. I'm like, I want to be like you one day. Thank you. Lord. And uh, he says, I have no idea where you pulled those answers from. And so I explained to him. I says, Holy Spirit. So I don't know. I said, I'm, obviously, I read my word. Obviously, a lot of what I said to him, this person that was asking me the questions were scripture. And, you know, I answered that. But really, it's Holy Spirit that's given me the wisdom and the insight and the knowledge. I don't trust in myself at all. I only trust in him. Wow, that was a long rabbit trail.
Where'd it go on? Those first ones were fresh off the thing. All right. Oh, man, we got to land this ship. All right. Who are you? Who has God created to be? What does your future hold? You know what? You know what I think you should do? I think you should ask the person who holds your future what your future holds because he knows better than any of us. Who do you believe that you are? Who do you believe that you are? Who do you believe that you are? I'm going to hold the rest of this message for next week because we're at a point where I can end, and this will be perfect for next week. Um, But what do you believe about yourself? Who do you believe that you are? Who do you believe that you are? What has God made you to do? How are you living right now? And so this week, as, we, as you go home and as you pray, I want you to ask this question repeatedly. Every day when you wake up, who, who do I believe that I am? Who am I? You can ask God, God, who, what is man? Who am I? God, what have you made me to do? You know, David says to Nathan, I want to build, build a house for God. There's never been a house. He's always lived in a tent. And here I've got this mansion. I want to build a house for God. And Nathan says to David, go and do all that's within your heart. And then God visits Nathan and says, no, go and tell David that he's not to build me a house for his hands have shed too much blood, but his son will build me a house. And I, God says this, God says, I will make him into a great people. And, and from his lineage will come the Messiah, his The seed of his loins will sit on the throne of Israel all of the days of the rest of the nation of Israel. David says, I want to build God a house. And and God comes back and he's like, well, you can't because you shed too much blood. But I'm going to bless you and bless you and bless you and bless you and bless your socks off and then bless you again. And David says, God, who am I? And is this your natural course of dealing with people? This is, go read it. I mean, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Is this your natural course of dealing with people? And David went in and sat before the Lord and worshiped him, gave him glory, honor, and praise, as we all should. Who are you? What has God made you to do? Don't wait for a prophetic word to know what you're supposed to do. When the prophetic word comes, it should only be a, a It should only be confirming what's already in your spirit. When the word came that I was going to be a full-time minister, when the word came that I was going to work for the kingdom, when the word came that I'd be a pastor, there was no surprise because I had already had that set in my heart. I already knew that from day one. And so the prophetic word only comes as a confirmation most times. Sometimes it'll be there to stir you and, and cause you to think in a way that you haven't thought of before. By the way, Pastor Charlie will be coming June 10th, I believe, is the Sunday. Pastor Charlie will be here, so you'll want to miss that. But don't come for a prophetic word. Come knowing what you're called to do. Come knowing so that you can step out and you can step into the fullness of it. And then begin to live like you know who you are. Then you can begin to live like the apple tree that you know that you are. Go and plant yourself in the full sun. Go and use organic fertilizer so them are some organic apples coming off. And go and prune yourself the right way so that you get lots of apples. 
There's special things that have to happen. If it's an oak tree or, or, or a hydrangea tree or a dogwood tree, I'm going to do something totally different. But it's an apple tree. And so who are you? We're all different. Every, every one of us has been made, been made to be a part of the body. Every one of us is, is special. Every one of us is chosen by God. It's, it's uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Every single one of us is a different part of the body. Some of us are a hand. Some of us are a foot. Some of us are, are a nose or an eye or an ear. Some of us are all of this. And it's only when all of the body works together that we really accomplish something. God created me to be the mouthpiece. I don't know why. I don't really, I mean, I love my job. I love what I do. I didn't think I'd ever be doing this. I always knew that I'd be doing this. But I didn't ever really, we'll just leave that right there. Who has God called you to be? Who has God called you to be? And it doesn't matter how outrageous it may seem. You, you might be the most shy person in the room, and God's called you to be an evangelist. And you're going to have great success. Just go and do it. Just start to do what you know you need to do to do that thing. Who has God called you to be? God may be called you to be, you know, the arm of outreach to the orphans or whatever. Just, just begin to do what you know you need to do. And, and if you get to a place, you're like, listen, if this is what God's called me to do, I don't know what to do next. Come and see me. Come and see your leader. Go and see your engage group leader and tell them. And they'll give you ideas. We have thoughts. We have ideas. We just need manpower. We need you. We're going to take communion. We're going to end. 1 Corinthians chapter 11.